Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Renee Report. On the Renee Report, we're going to be going over port that Adrian Wojnarowski, aka Wojbomb, dropped the other day, which is that Kemba Walker has informed the Charlotte Hornets and specifically Michael Jordan that his offer of $160 million is not only not enough money and pretty disrespectful, but that he has moved on and is looking at other options and has taken the Charlotte Hornets off of his list as potential free agent destinations. This is obviously a very big spiral from where we see, you know, basically his entire career, which is that he's always wanted to stick with the Charlotte Hornets and is one of the very few people who loves being in a small market team and has really just loved being in Charlotte. It's obviously a super sad day as I currently live in Charlotte, North Carolina and have loved Kemba Walker for his whole career and duration at Charlotte. This really goes to highlight why I personally believe and will be explaining throughout this episode why I just don't think Michael Jordan should be an owner in this league and has any right to say he should be. So before we get into all this, let's start from the very beginning of Kemba Walker's career when he was drafted in the 2012 season. He was drafted in 2012 and Michael Jordan, for reference, took over basketball, all of basketball operations as the main owner for the Charlotte Hornets back in 2010 when they were the Charlotte Bobcats, which is definitely the worst name of all time. Kemba came in and had a pretty disappointing freshman year. Followed that up by improving his sophomore year at UConn, before he was drafted I'm talking about, and his junior year went from 14 points per game as a sophomore to 24 points per game, got two steals a game, and was a human highlight reel all throughout his collegiate career. The Charlotte Hornets were desperate at the time and similar to right now, where they find themselves without a leader and a primary scorer. The best and only good decision of Michael Jordan's entire tenure at the Charlotte Hornets was selecting Kemba Walker, the prodigy, at the ninth pick in the NBA draft in the 2012 season. How did Kemba Walker's tenure at Charlotte start? Well, he only averaged 12 points in his first season, shot 30% from three, and the lowest shooting career percentage of his career by far at 36% from the field. So obviously a big disappointment his rookie year and was obviously just trying to get over some hurdles and things in his game. Second year, he did come back around in his sophomore year, where he went at a big leap and really foreshadowed how amazing of a career he was going to have, while in his second career year, averaging 18 points per game, improved drastically by shooting 42% from the field, and showed his ability to spread the ball and just become a leader overall at the age of a very ripe 22 years old that Charlotte desperately needed at the time. Kemba's coming off his second year in his career. He's a rising star in the league. Michael Jordan really lucked out in this draft at such, you know, a ninth pick. You don't expect to get someone like Kemba Walker and to be so productive so early. And, you know, obviously we should, uh, <laughs> let's take a look and see exactly what he did with draft picks from the 2012 to 2019 season. 
as well as free agency from the 2012 to 19 season, which is the seven years that the Charlotte Hornets have been able to improve and try and work around having a star like Kemba Walker on their roster basically for free, as he's taken no money all the way up to this point, only earning a max of, I think, $17 million per year, which is just the bargain bin deals of all bargain bins. I mean, it's he's an unbelievably good person, and just I can't, uh, I'm just so frustrated to see someone like this be one foot out the door already. It's just so frustrating. Before I get ahead of myself and yell at Michael Jordan the whole episode, I do want to go over the draft picks and the free agency. So first and foremost, when they drafted Kemba Walker in the 2011-2012 draft, they also drafted with him Tobias Harris, as many of you now know, is a future star with the 76ers, and has definitely moved around the league a lot, but they did select him, the Charlotte Hornets being, with the 19th pick and immediately decided to trade him to the Bucks. I have no idea why, as they really had no one to pair with him, and just didn't make a lot of sense, even at the time. Especially the fact that he would be able to develop and improve at the same year and time as Kemba. I mean, it just seemed like a no-brainer, and I just, I can't understand why they would trade someone like that away, but it foreshadows what's to come, no doubt. The 2012 draft with the number two selection. They take Michael fucking Kid Gilchrist. And I, I apologize for cussing, but I just, I used to love Michael Kid Gilchrist. I actually have a jersey of him still in my room. And it's just really disappointing to see that he was one of the biggest busts of the last seven years. And the highest selection, even including Kemba Walker, that the Charlotte Hornets ever got. And they could have drafted guys like Damian Lillard in that draft. Bradley Beal in that draft. Shit, I would have taken Harrison Barnes in that draft. I mean, there was just so many people that they could have taken specifically in the 2012 season and 2011 when they drafted Tobias to really mold and use properly with Kemba. And instead, they find themselves with no one in the 2011 draft and Michael K. Gilchrist, as I just said, a huge bust in the 2012 draft. Coming off of a really disappointing year, and even by then, he had a lot of injuries and his shot didn't look right. Heading into the 2013 draft, they for sure knew they needed to get more talent on the team and they needed to do it fast. And they did have the fourth pick in this draft, as they were still pretty bad. Decided to go with Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller is a completely serviceable player who definitely has played a lot of minutes in the NBA. And is, I mean, he's not a bad person or player, but they're, I mean... Again, similar to 2012, I mean, Rudy Gobert was in that draft. Giannis Antetokounmpo, yes, the MVP of the league this season, was in that draft, taking 15 spots later, as well as CJ McCollum was also in that draft. So it's just, at this point, they've already missed out on like six star potential players for Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and Cody Zeller. And as I said, they just, they're not going to find themselves with a lot of top five picks so this Kid Gilchrist and this Cody Zeller was really where you could tell things were starting to go wrong and that Michael Jordan just did not know what the hell he was doing. This up with having the ninth selection in the 2014 draft, drafting Noah Vonley, which they received from Detroit. They could have got Zach Levine and Clint Capella, but it was actually a pretty bad draft overall as far as a draft class. And they did trade Shabazz Napier and realize it was a bad selection and trade him immediately, which as we know now in hindsight was a good idea as he's not really in the league or has an important role in the league currently. Another really, really big mistake by Michael Jordan in the front office of the Charlotte Hornets. In 2015, we saw them take Frank Kaminsky with the ninth selection in the NBA draft. 
If you can't tell by now, they keep trying to get these big men, if it's Kaminsky, Von Lee, Cody Zeller, and just the fact that none of them worked out. In another draft where we see Miles Turner, Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre, and Terry Rozier, all his possibilities. I mean, it's just embarrassing at this point. And this is four years straight of it, and we're not even halfway. 2016, we see them draft Malachi Richardson at 22 and trade him immediately. Malachi Richardson is currently in the Denver Nuggets and has done a really good job of carving out a role for himself and improving a lot. And we see Pascal Siakam taking three spots later in this draft. And once again, we just have to wonder what was Michael Jordan thinking and who is the people that are evaluating talent on this front office and why are they failing over and over and over again find ourselves in the 2017 season and we finally see michael jordan take a big risk on malik monk with the 11th pick he did fall a little bit and was expected to go earlier so it was thought of to be a pretty good pick but if you've looked at stats at all from the last season and this season he has one of the lowest win shares i've ever personally seen in my life which is a statistic that basically takes together all of your efficiencies and all of your shooting percentages and tells you how much of an effect someone has on a team. It should be about five if you're average, maybe like four or three if you're a role player. His win share percentage was 0.3, and the only player I could find in the entire NBA with a win percentage that was that low was Dirk Nowitzki on his last season before he retired this year. And I mean, he could physically not walk. And I mean, guys like Dwayne Bacon, who was taken at 44th, had an even better win share and season than Malik. So it's just pretty disappointing already, although he is very young and could improve. But, you know, we said that about guys like, you know, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and pretty much everyone they've ever drafted. Followed that up in 2018 by making the correct pick in shy Alexander Gilchrist and trading him to the Los Angeles Clippers. Seems to be a pretty uh, distant theme of them. <laughs> where we see them get the likes of Miles Bridges and that swap from the Clippers, who will end up being a great player, but again, is a higher floor than he does a ceiling, although I do, again, think he will be good. In the 2019 excuse me, NBA draft, we see them take P.J. Williams, who is the safest pick in the entire draft, has a very high floor but extremely low ceiling in comparison to the other players in the same draft class. Yet again, we just have to wonder what exactly was Michael Jordan thinking and who exactly is he listening to because he's not listening to the right people. So now that we've quickly gone over all of their terrible draft picks in the last seven years since acquiring Kemba Walker, luckily, I might add, with the ninth selection, well, if they didn't help Kemba while they were drafting, maybe they helped the guy out in free agency, right? I mean, again, MJ has... A seven loyal and productive years from Kemba. So you've got to assume he pairs it with somebody, right? He gets somebody in the mix, at least tries to in free agency. He could really pair and make this team deadly, right? Quickly going over free agency as another great area that the Charlotte Hornets have struggled to go over again and again and again in. 2013, we see them get Chris Douglas Roberts, isn't in, even in the NBA anymore. Anthony Tolliver, very average player. And the big one at the time was Al Jefferson, who was a very good big man, who had definitely come off of a big year, but, you know, similar to a lot of big mans of his stature and size, just very injury prone, and you kind of knew it wasn't going to work out. Although if the, the offensive potential was there between Jefferson and Kemba, 
to make it a very deadly combination. Well, as they signed Steve Clifford as their head coach, who they decided, I for whatever reason, to sign to a multiple-year extension multiple times throughout this free agency period, which you'll see. Although every single year they end up, as we just found out, with the 8th or ninth pick. So again, telling us they're mediocre and somehow okay with it. 2014, they signed Kemba Walker to a cheap, with a capital P, contract at about 17 mil per year, which is just a bargain bin, as I said earlier, and promised to give him at least some help and talent around him. They signed Marvin Williams to a two-year deal, at the time was definitely a good player. Lance Stevenson to a three-year deal, who had a really bad personality and attitude, but was certainly really relevant at the time, and was a relatively big move. And in a really big attempt for a move, they matched, well, they actually sent an offer to Gordon Hayward back in 2014 in the prime of his career, back when he was in Utah. But unfortunately, Utah did match the offer, and Gordon Hayward decided to go back to Utah, where he was beloved, instead of joining Kemba Walker and Al Jefferson, which I really think could have been one hell of a big three. Here for the first time, as you'll see multiple times, we decided to fire the basketball head of operations, and our general manager. Honestly, I believe made some really good moves on Lance Stevenson and Al Jefferson and seemed to be on the right track. So definitely a bit confusing why they would choose all of a sudden to fire these guys when it seems like they were trying to do their very best with what they had. In 15, they re-signed Steve Clifford, which again, I mean, you're getting the ninth and 10th pick every season, so that's not really making a lot of sense. They signed Jeremy Lamb to an extension, which is one of their best moves they've made. They traded Lance Stevenson for a bag of rotten apples. And uh, I think it was, oh man, who was it? John Hawes, who's not even in the NBA anymore, and some other scrub. Acquired Nicholas Batum for a better player, in my opinion, and Gerald Henderson and Noah Vonley, who we certainly could be using now over a guy like Frank Kaminsky or really any white big man we currently have in the roster. 2016, probably the biggest puzzler of all of their free agent decisions, is they decided to sign Cody Zeller to a four-year extension for basically doing nothing but rebounding and just just sitting there. Decided to bring back Frank Kaminsky, very similar, have no idea why they did it, and then following that up by re-signing the old Marvin Williams to a long-term deal, again, I don't know why they did it, and followed that up by signing Roy Hibbert, whose career fell off of a 100-foot ledge, which we could all see coming. Nicholas Batum, 20-plus million for the next, I mean, until next season, all the way up to that, which has cost them in free agency ever since, as they just haven't had the cap space or the luxury to really get middle-level guys, as well as acquiring Courtney Lee, which is basically the completed version of what Malik Monk is most likely going to end up being. You see in the 2016 season of free agency, they, they're at least attempting to bring in a lot of these guys and, you know, mix up the back. So that makes us assume in the 17, 18, and 19 season, they do the same thing, right? So a lot of this episode is going to be seeming to go in the direction of wrong. In 2017, they legitimately did absolutely nothing to help out Kemba because they already had the guys I just mentioned in 2016 under long-term extensions. Instead of signing guys like Cody Zeller to a year and seeing how they're doing, Kaminsky to a year, they signed these guys to three to four million, three to four year, excuse me, contracts for big bucks. And it's like, 
Once you find yourself stuck in it, I mean, no one's going to want to take a Nicholas Batum, a Frank Kaminsky. And if they do, it's going to be pennies on the dollar, just like Lance Stevenson. 2017, they find themselves stuck. They, I mean, they signed Marcus Page, who isn't even on an NBA roster anymore, and that's about it. 2018, after four years, somehow miraculously, Michael Jordan figures out, hey, Steve Clifford's a pretty average coach who has done pretty much nothing to improve this roster, so I should probably let him go, again, four years late. And they fire him, oh, for, you know, a guy who's probably got more experience and a better coach, right? Wrong again. Signed James Borrego, unproven and inexperienced coach who was under um, Popovich, I believe. Well, as yet again, fire the GM all over again and decide to fire the head of basketball operations and make Mitch Kubchek, both the GM and head of basketball operations, all by himself, which we saw in New York with one of the best coaches ever didn't work. And the only good example is Doc Rivers, who was made for that job. I do think Kubchek is definitely a step in the right direction as far as management. There's no reason to give him both GM and head of operations and give even more power to Jordan where he only has to go through one person instead of a whole, you know, a whole group of people. Again, in 2018, they find themselves stuck because of contrasts like Marvin Williams and Nicholas Batum and all these guys like Bismack Biombo, who they decide to sign to a two-year $17 million contract coming off of a decent playoff run in Toronto, but nothing to write home about. So now he's stuck on the team for another another two years, also including next year, $17 million. 2018, the only move they do is get Bismack on $17 million a year, which is a way overpay, and find themselves yet again stuck even farther in the um, near the luxury tax. And now we get to the 2019 free agency. As a Charlotte Hornets fan, it can't get any worse. Reported by, as reported, excuse me, by Adrian Wojnarowski, they, Michael Jordan was only willing to offer $160 million to the best player ever to play in a Charlotte Hornets jersey and the longest tenure in a Charlotte Hornets jersey. Why exactly would he do that, folks? Well, the exact reason he would do it is because what I've been saying for the last few years in free agency, which is he signed these guys to two to three year deals, and he's found himself in a place where he has to go in the luxury tax for a small market team, a team that he can't guarantee makes even the eighth seed of the playoffs, and a team that he can't even really say is above average in an Eastern Conference that is extremely weak. He decides to lowball Kemba Walker. And what does he do? He just expects Kemba Walker to just sit there and just take it? Of course not. So Kemba Walker comes out and says, you know, Charlotte's not on my list anymore. I'm done. I tried, you know, I wanted to come back, which he's reported multiple times. Ourselves stuck in a situation where we weren't willing to go over the luxury tax, which would have only been for one season, by the way, because we only have five guys signed past next year, and we only have one guy signed past the next two years. So I can't, first of all, wrap my head around why the hell... We wouldn't go over the luxury tax for one season when in the very next season we would get all of the money back, about $55 million if you were wondering, able to help out Kemba Walker. Instead, we just decide to go into a full rebuild when we almost, I mean, we only have two players under the age of 24, what I would even consider relevant to possibly being decent NBA players. Question we have to ask ourselves, 
is what in the history of their drafting over the last almost decade period makes them believe that this is the best route for them to go and that they're somehow just going to flip a switch and all of a sudden be able to, you know, pick out what is good talent when, again, I've gone over the NBA drafts and, and these guys, they were only two or three picks behind like Damian Lillard and Pascal. I can name a million that they just choose not to draft because they, they don't want to take a chance. The question you have to ask yourself is why couldn't you just deactivate Kemba for one single year out of the seven and just, you know, just take an L for that one season and get yourself another Michael K. Gilchrist pick in the two to five range and really just help him out with solid talent that you know coming in will make an impact instead of being okay with being mediocre and just sitting there and just fidgeting with your thumbs while everyone plays in the playoffs and you're just a fringe playoff team fighting for basically nothing but just being a little bit relevant answer is that clearly Michael Jordan either doesn't take the Charlotte Hornets franchise seriously or if he does take it seriously he's just simply not good at his job started off this episode trying to figure out where the Hornets will go from here and if there's a better you know if there's a better point or if there's something I missed through research and I believe personally this is the last straw that broke the camel's back and that MJ will finally and I mean finally have to step down as an owner or the Hornets will finally get the balls to tell Jordan you're just not a you might be the best player of all time but that doesn't give you the right to run a franchise into the ground and possibly get a move from a great location even you if you live in the Charlotte area like myself you should be screaming for this man to lose his job we will never get someone with the quality and the willingness to stay in a small market team like Kemba Walker there isn't two Kemba Walkers period will finally be able to draft talent which is what I've wanted all along but the problem is is that after these rookie deals players can always dip and they can always leave and when you have a Kemba Walker there's a reason to stay there's a reason for potential but without a star like that there's no reason for anyone to stay in a Charlotte area period if anyone else has done the job that Michael Jordan did on any other team he would have been fired by the 2015 if not the 2016 season almost certainly Personally, I would just be embarrassed to show my face in public like he's just run this team into the ground. Single-handedly ruined what could have been an amazing era in Hornets history and one that we just haven't seen as Hornets fans at all. We come out of it and all we have to show for it is shitty contracts. We can finally move on from this, you know, this coming year, the next year, lose our best player to a team in our in our conference and the biggest problem being our owner that's not even getting enough attention for being a bad owner. I believe the damage has already been done and cannot be reversed. Anyone on the Hornets, including Michael Jordan, hears this. I just hope that I've laid out all of this clearly enough to show like this man has had plenty of time to fix it and plenty of time to show us something that he can put us in the right direction. And he clearly has just not is willing, not willing to listen to other people or to make the correct decisions himself wasn't a team like the Charlotte Panthers which are in the exact same city in the exact same location and you know again they've shown the willingness to not be mediocre to not leave guys like Cam Newton with no talent with no talent excuse me to not be okay with a mediocre owner who they just fired and got rid of last year and replaced him with someone in Tillman who's really smart and going to make a big difference say oh okay you know it's just a Charlotte area but that's not the case Charlotte is a place that is growing a city that is really a great place to live and somewhere that really enjoys sports.
So he's doing a travesty and a disservice to this entire city and should be fired. Always does the safe thing and does enough for so that people aren't questioning him and kind of just forget about the Hornets, but that doesn't make it right. This man has owned the team that has a team that has basically fired their GM and head of basketball operations every two years since he's owned the team. And it's like, how has someone not thought, oh, maybe it's not, you know, the GM or the operations guy is the problem. It's the main dude is the problem. If I don't see him step down or I don't see news that there's at least rumblings that something's going to happen in management directly regarding Michael Jordan, I'm not sure I can be a Hornets fan anymore. I'm not sure at the very least I can respect anything they do. If six former first round top 12 NBA draft picks on our roster and the only one who is even near talented is Jeremy Lamb, who we didn't even draft. Something clearly needs to change. I think there needs to be a message directly sent to Michael Jordan. You can't keep doing this. Just because you're the best player of all time doesn't give you the leeway and excuse to run a franchise into the ground. Because no one can do that and no one should stand by this. I hope the media roasts him when Kemba leaves on Sunday for the Boston Celtics. All of Charlotte calls for his head. And I hope he gets embarrassed. And really a lot of people shed light on what he's been doing for almost an entire decade now. To this really great Charlotte Hornets franchise that is so ready to be relevant and to be loved. Michael Jordan, I wouldn't be able to look at myself in the mirror. I wouldn't be able to look at my roster. I wouldn't be able to look at my GM. I wouldn't be able to talk to my scouts. I would just be disgusted with myself and how poorly I have gone through this entire process of being an owner. Someone like Magic gets caught tampering one time, has a few things go wrong. He steps down immediately. No questions asked. Doesn't just bullshit, make up excuses, just says, I'm maybe not right for this, I need to focus on other things, and I just wish he would do the same fucking thing. I want to know what makes Michael Jordan think you're a decent owner and you deserve to own a good portion of this team that is ready to go, but you're the reason they're stopping. I can't express enough how disgusted I am and how saddened I am to be a Charlotte Hornets fan today, being Friday. June 28th, knowing that we're going to lose Kemba Walker in two days on Sunday at 6 p.m. Signs almost immediately with the Boston Celtics because of how poorly Michael Jordan has dealt with this entire situation. And this is just the last straw, man. One thing to miss out on a few draft picks. It's a whole nother thing to not have any free agents come through that are worthwhile. But to let go of someone who loves being somewhere, has expressed that he loves being there, it all over not being willing to go into a luxury tax. If you're not willing to go into the luxury tax, what? why did you become an NBA owner in the first place? Like, is money an issue for you, Michael? I don't think so. I don't fucking think so. Personally, if I don't see Michael Jordan step down in the next week, I just, I don't know. I don't know what NBA is anymore, and I don't even know if I can be a fan of it. Because if, if people can just stand by and just watch someone just ruin a franchise, that's good for them, but I'm not going to let it happen. Apologize for getting so worked up and being so about this topic, but I've just, I've just been so mad at Michael Jordan for so many years and so disappointed. All this kind of come to fruition and shown how stupid and poorly he manages things with the Kemba deal specifically. Really, just got me over the edge. This has been the Renee Report. I hope you enjoyed. Feel free to leave comments and concerns, and to help out the stream.
hope you're having a great Friday and a great week. Peace.